Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here's your host, DJ Bob. Well, we've got to get up, got to get going, because we've got an interview to play for you. Today, I'm joined by Jake Bagel. And what has this guy done? He's a puppeteer, a voice actor, and just a gem of a human. But he also is connected with a very famous bear. Silly Willy Nilly, old bear perhaps? Yeah, he's the star of the off-Broadway musical Winnie the Pooh. And we talk with him about his connections to the iconic franchise, opening night, and so much more. So, so you've had, you know, a little show open recently. I have. I have. Winnie the Pooh, the new stage adaptation. And it's been quite a journey for you to get to the hundred acre wood hash in it. It has, yeah. Three years. Three years on this show um, before we even got to an audience. And now now we have audiences and it's so super exciting and we're having just the best time. But it means a lot to be in this moment because it has taken so long to get here. And is that weird for you that people are seeing what you've worked so hard to do? You're like, wow, I'm not just performing this to my cast anymore. <laughs> it definitely, the first few times we had folks in to watch it, um, it felt funky in the best way, though. I mean, it feels super gratifying and rewarding to be sharing the story and the show and the gorgeous puppets and the set and just all the different elements coming together and sharing them with this audience feels amazing because we've put so much love into every every step of this process that um, it it doesn't feel weird. It feels really it feels really 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 wonderful. And I know I can speak for the rest of like the cast and the crew. Everyone on this show is just so excited to finally have it in front of audiences. And I bet it sort of feels instead of weird. I bet it just sort of feels real to you. Like, just, wow, I'm doing this. So in our first preview, um, we had the most wonderful audience of of hardcore Winnie the Pooh fans, hardcore Disney fans. And we got to the end of the show and we got to bows. And I came out to do my bow and we all bow together. And I stand back up with Pooh and I make eye contact uh, with this lovely person in the front row who was dressed as Pooh. And was like crying, like weeping, um, and 
I, 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 we made eye contact and then I was like, okay, I have to look away because if I look at you for one more second, I'm going to lose it. And then Kirsty, who plays Piglet, is going to lose. Like everyone, it would just be like a complete domino effect. Um, so yeah, emotions are running high this week. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's so interesting. The day we're uploading this is Sesame Street's birthday. And to see this, to see this part of your life journey happening in the same sort of time as like Sesame Street premiere and you know something that influenced you as well as Pooh. Yeah. How does something like that make you feel like you're growing up watching this stuff and now you're doing it? Yeah, I mean, it hits. It, it's one of those things that sort of hits you. And trying to turn it into like a therapy session, but no, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's get in deep. Um, it's it's one of those things that hits you in waves, you know, because when you're sort of in the day to day, uh, and you're doing the show and you're in the flow of it, you don't you don't really think about those things, or you try not to think about those things because you just have to think about doing your job. Um. But then every once in a while, like that, that first preview was totally one of those moments where you sort of zoom out and go, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is the thing I always wanted to do. And I'm getting to do it now with this incredible group of people um, and four incredible groups of people. Uh, so it's it's hard to wrap my head around. Uh, I think I'll probably truly process it um, a long time from now. I would say ask me again in a little bit and I might have a more clear answer, but I'm trying to be as present as I can in this moment uh, is really all I can say right now and sort of soak as much of it in as I can because I know it's a crazy special moment and I know it does not happen um, often in this lifetime. Like, because I don't know if you realize who am I kidding? You probably do. You're working with some iconic brands, whether it be Sesame Street or Winnie the Pooh or what have, what have you. It's got to be something that you never thought would happen. Uh, yeah, absolutely never thought it would happen. Uh, Winnie the Pooh especially. I mean, I, I love Sesame. I never thought I'd be there. Um, as, as someone who writes in the kids' media space and has, and has always wanted to work in kids' media... Winnie the Pooh has always sort of been the North Star of, I mean, those the characters in those original books were so beautifully written. The stories are so beautifully written. There's so many layers of things going on for children, but also for the adults that are with those children. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's so impeccable that it's always been a North Star for me creatively. I never thought <laughs> that would translate to me actually uh, working with those characters in any way adding to sort of their legacy in my own small, 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 small way. Uh, it's a huge honor. It's a huge, huge honor that I do not take lightly. Um, yeah, and I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from Winnie the Pooh. I've learned a lot from everyone at Sesame. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool. It, yeah, it's really, really great. And, you know, we could go, we could go deeper into this later, but you also got to work with one of my other favorite children's properties, The Very Hunk Caterpillar. Yes. Yeah. That was one of the first shows I did when I got to New York with Jonathan Rockefeller, who is the producer-director of Pooh. Um, that 
was a fun show. That was supposed to be a five week contract that I signed Christmas 2015. Um, and then I ended up working on that show for four years on and off, wearing like many different hats, doing it all over the country. Um, opening it four different times, I think, off Broadway. So, and doing it, I think I've done that show over 700 times now. So it, it kept on snowballing and growing and growing. And obviously I'm still working, you know, with a bunch of people who who worked on that show. So that was, that was really um, a bigger gift than I, I, I knew it was going to be when I first sort of jumped onto that train. So you kind of know things about working with property, you know what I'm saying? Sort of. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do. I mean, I'm, I, I've been very lucky to work with some 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 characters that people love uh, quite a bit. So let's talk about Pooh because there are many different there are different eras of what people associate with Pooh and. When you think of Winnie the Pooh, what do you think of first? Like, what's your go-to? I think I probably would say the books are the biggest thing for me. Um, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, they're, they're, they're huge to me. They're, they're so beautifully written. Followed closely by, I mean, I was a 90s kid, so so Jim Cummings was my Pooh. I then- Betty Wise, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I found Sterling Holloway and the original movie um, a bit later, but they were making the '80s series still when I was watching, and then and then Book of Pooh, and then all the the you know the VHS movies that they did, and the and the movies that hit theaters that they did. I sort of grew up right during the peak of of Jim Cummings doing some really brilliant work as Pooh. So he he's definitely the voice I hear in my head when I think of Pooh. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, like as far as deep cuts, we'll go into the show, but this is a pop culture podcast, so we kind of have to, you know, scratch that itch. Absolutely. Um, So one of my favorite things that people don't talk about is Winnie the Pooh and Christmas 2. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Great. Let's go there. Nobody talking about those specials. Like the way, like the like the mid '90s directed. Were they directed? I think they aired on TV too. Yeah, yeah. There were there were there were a good amount of Winnie the Pooh direct to video projects that they did that also then ended up living other places. But I think I would count that as direct to video. I I love. There's something about Winnie the Pooh that is just. Timeless, it's, and it's so special. Like you said, but what specifically drew you to those '90s and early 2000s production? Because there are some naysayers who prefer the classic poo, the Sterling Holloway poo, and it's like, but what specifically drew you to Jim? <laughs> I, well, I think I was drawn to it because I was a child and it was what was on TV. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't something that I was necessarily drawn to as much as it was what I was exposed to and became a huge part of my 
childhood. I mean, I think why, you know, there are folks that prefer Sterling Holloway and it's not, a, I wouldn't say it's a preference for me. Sterling Holloway is also a brilliant voice actor who did, who put so much heart into Winnie the Pooh and really laid the foundation of what we know Winnie the Pooh to be in terms of his voice and his personality in the, in the Disney canon. Um, but just because Jim's performance is what I was exposed to and grew up with, that's sort of the one that's that's closest to my heart and feels true poo to me. When when you're researching for this role, if there so what what are your what's your sort of roadmap? Where do you go first? Like what what was your process to try to get into the bear that we all know and love? Yeah, well, because I sort of ended up wearing two hats on the on the show concurrently, where I was writing on it um, as a sort of a story consultant, and then also playing Pooh for readings and workshops, and those were happening sort of in tandem, back and forth. I was having two sort of different processes where I was doing different kinds of research for different parts of it. Uh, in terms of the writing element of it, I went back not to be a broken record, but I went back to the books and I reread the books many, many, many times and marked them up like crazy and went back and I read uh, Christopher Robin Milne's memoirs and I read interviews that I could find. And I, I mean, I have a whole stack right over there on my bookshelf of like all the research books that I I could find really about about Milne and about why he wrote the books and just that time in his life. Uh, and then on the playing Winnie the Pooh side of it, I watched early on, I just, I sort of honed in on the 2011 movie as, as a jumping off point because Jim Cummings' performance in that, I, well, A, it's written, so we're sort of getting every side of Pooh. It's, that movie is so sort of quintessentially Winnie the Pooh uh, that it felt like a really good touchstone for me in terms of learning the character and, and getting to know his mannerisms and the way he operates. Because as much as I was a huge Winnie the Pooh fan, I was a huge fan of, of really sort of all of the characters in the stories. I wasn't, I, I never before working on this project saw it from, you know, Pooh's point of view. So that was really the shift I had to make. So I started reading the books and watching the films lasered in on just Winnie the Pooh um, and how he related to all of the other different characters and, and sort of moving pieces in the stories. And like, is there anything in your research that, surprised you about the character. Yeah, well, I've certainly got to know him better. It's interesting. I think people think of Pooh as sort of ever the optimist, and in ways he is, but it doesn't mean he's always smiley and happy. Like there's Yeah, I mean I've watched I watched a lot of Pooh content sort of prep for this a little more and I've noticed that he's almost unsure about a lot of things yeah he's constantly sort of he's like oh I don't know maybe we should do this you know what I'm saying like, he's always like second guessing himself 
Yeah, he's constantly living in a state of sort of discovery. So he's he's almost sort of a detective, where he's putting together the pieces in real time. And where did I put my favorite blanket? I knew that it was over here somewhere. So he's not, I mean, he gets, I mean, in the show, you know, he gets frustrated. He gets, he loses hope at moments. He gets not sassy, but like he, you know, there's different flavors and, and, and moments in there. It's so much more subtle than just always optimistic. I think he certainly resets to optimism pretty quickly <laughs> in the face of, uh, you know, in, in times when maybe other characters wouldn't, he, he can find the optimism in things, but it's not necessarily, I think, the place where he lives. So I think that's that's kind of the the subtlety that that has surprised me and I've grown to really love and love playing the most about Pooh is is the full spectrum of emotions really really do live in that bear of a very little brain. <laughs> he he really like all of us. Like he yeah. we we all have the complex emotions and you don't really think of that in poo unless you really dig deep yeah and sort of look yeah so like how long have you been involved in this project because this is crazy yeah so we started in may of 2018 um and then we really hit the ground running in early 2019 with with writing the initial sort of outlines for the show and deciding, okay, what are the, what are the quintessential Winnie the Pooh vignettes and tableaus that we really want to use as the sort of the framework for our, our story. And how can we make those feel as quintessentially Pooh and iconic as they are, but also find a way to make them feel fresh. So it feels like its own new story that Pooh fans will love. Um, so yeah, that was that was early 2019 when we really became we we began the process in earnest. But 2018 is when we when it first that seed was first planted. And when you were first approached, were you thinking, why hasn't this happened yet? Absolutely. Um, it's sort of crazy. Especially, you know, a, a, a puppet show of Winnie the Pooh makes so much sense because obviously, you know, they're based on real toys that a real Christopher Robin really played with. So to have a show where, where we have, or, you know, a, a team of incredibly talented builders have built these puppets that are so tactile and tangible and the textures are gorgeous and the colors are gorgeous, um, that allow audiences to be in the room with with these these glorified toys and and watch them come to life. It just makes so much sense for these stories and these characters, and I think that's what people are are really really responding to. I mean, certainly when when each character makes their their entrance, there's always a you know you you see everyone turn into kids. I love that, yeah. and I love. I'm always a big fan of like childlike wonder and sort of like this this suspending like 
Like just like forgetting about life and just turning into a kid again. Well, then have I got a show for you? <laughs> that is that is what is happening. Um, thankfully, happening in our theater quite often. It's really, it's a really fun energy energy to be a part of. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really, really wonderful. A lot of adults are turning into children um, at every show. As are we. I mean, we, you know. Yeah, we're well, subject to it too. How could you not? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed about your show, I haven't, I haven't seen it on not yet. You know, it's kind of early in its run right now. But something that I've noticed is that there's this underlying theme, whether it be people in the audience or the VIP meet and greets or something like that. There's this theme of inclusiveness and making sure that everybody feels like they're important. So, and you guys are taking extra measures to make sure that people are safe and not, not to say that others aren't. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm just saying like, just like you're creating an environment that is inclusive to everyone? Like, what does inclusion in this setting mean to you? I mean, it's, it's especially in terms of speaking with, with how Disney has taken this brand and, and, and what, this, what the Disney adaptation means to people. Inclusion is so woven into the fabric of these stories and, and woven into what the 100-acre wood is. We have a bunch of stories here of, I always say that that Winnie the Pooh is really, and, and you know, the books and the movies and everything, the world of Winnie the Pooh, the Hundred Acre Wood is really so much more about the relationships between the characters than any one character on their own. That's why people love these stories so much is is because it is they are truly ensemble stories. This is truly an ensemble show. Um, they are not like we were saying, they're not necessarily characters that are always happy, that always get along. They don't always see eye to eye, but they always love each other and they always respect each other and they always end up and remaining friends at the end of the day. Um, so inclusion in that way is is what that hundred acre wood is all about. And that energy certainly is alive and well um, in our theater in terms of the kinds of people that are coming in to see our show. Um, all of us on stage, all of the incredible crew working hard backstage to make the show happen. Uh, there's it's it, it's built with a lot of love and a lot of respect for one another. Um so yeah, it's 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 truly just part of the fabric of of what we're doing. I, I don't think we would be doing Winnie the Pooh and the Hundred Acre Wood justice if that wasn't sort of how we were leading into into this project and into this show. For sure. And the reason why I bring that up is because from the from the get-go on the website, there are the there are the articles about making sure people on the autism spectrum are prepared and like things like that. So like, 
Like, what kind of measures do you guys take to sort of make it sort of perfect for everyone? Because the autism spectrum and people with disabilities have specific needs, and you've catered to them in such a way that I've never seen. That's, I mean, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, it, it really is an ongoing conversation. And, uh, you know, it's hard to make a show that is that is perfect for everyone. Um, but these characters mean so much to so, so many people. Um, and as I've learned just through folks reaching out, it, they, they mean a ton to a lot of folks on the autism spectrum. So making space for everyone to feel uh, comfortable and to make the show as accessible as possible um, there's not a ton that we are doing on stage or, you know, we're not, we're not, we haven't really changed the show at all, uh, for that to happen. That is mostly all of the incredible people that are doing their jobs around us to keep the machine that is the show afloat. Um, they're the ones who are really making the space for accessibility and to make sure that. Uh, everyone can have a good experience at the show, which is hugely important to all of us. Um, but it's it's not really you know a job that we're we're focused on as actors. We are we're just there telling the story and and giving as much love to the audience as we can. Well, you need to know that I picked up on those those things that your your team is doing, and I think there should be more of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, 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 again, it's woven into the fabric of what these characters are and what these stories are. So it's super important for the show, but I agree. I, it's, it's, it should be out there more hundred percent. So I'm trying not to spoil the show in any way, because like me, I want, I want people to see it. <laughs> um, but I will ask you this developing the voice. It's sort of a mix between everyone <laughs> that has played the character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, it's my, my, my Winnie the Pooh is mostly certainly based off of Jim Cummings. Um, but the wonderful thing about us being in a medium that is not film uh, is that, you know, no one ever told me I have to be a direct voice match of any one specific version of Pooh. Even Jim Cummings himself over the years and in different projects, Pooh sounds a little bit different from show, you know, from show to show as, as the parameters for those different projects shifted. He shifted the performance slightly. So I've gotten to be a real nerd and sort of <laughs> go through years and years and years of material and pick up the things that uh, I love that feel sort of true to the version of the character that I'm building, that feel true to, you know, the story that we're telling and the script that we've written. Uh, it's as, you know, same with Sterling, going back to those original original featurettes that, you know, ended up becoming the the 71 movie and um, and certainly folding in some of some some of Sterling's stuff in there as well. I think it's also here's my theory because I've had now a lot of conversations with a lot of people who have heard heard my version of Pooh. 
I think people tend to hear in it, um, whatever their whatever their Winnie the Pooh is. Because I've had people who were like, "Oh my God, you're doing a spot on Sterling Holloway," and then I've had people who are like, "Oh my God, you're doing a spot on Jim Cummings." Um, so it really is like it, it it it's just one of those voices that for so many people hits like a core nostalgic gut guttural thing. That... Every time you do it, every time you do it, I smile. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I, that means a lot. Um, I worked so so hard, and I continue to work so so hard to to hopefully get that reaction from people because I know that's what they're looking for when they come to see the show. But I do think people are hearing uh, perhaps uh, <laughs> not what they want to hear, but but I'm I'm glad it's it seems to be connecting to that 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 thing that they're looking for, uh, regardless of sort of who their Winnie the Pooh was. You have a signature phrase to kind of get into the voice every day? Uh, I, I certainly do some checks because, I mean, we have some 10 a.m. shows in this, in this, in this show, which is quite early, which because, you know, that means we're getting to the theater around 9 and I'm waking up around, you know, 6.37 and Pooh's up there. It's it's a it's a gentle voice. So I've got to be pretty well warmed up before the show starts, before I, you know, talk for an hour straight in my essentially my falsetto. So I went on backstage. It's just a lot of you know. Sometimes I'll just speak to my fellow cast members, and as what Winnie the Pooh would say, and I say good morning to my friend Bill, and I say good morning to my friend Lindsay. And I say good morning to all of my cast members. And they might think I'm crazy, but it it means that I'm able to do the show at 10 a.m. every morning. <laughs> because you just kind of get into it, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's certainly, when I was first, first, first working on The Voice, the laugh was huge in terms of a, a, a way in. Um and his, you know, his, oh, oh, yes, of course, here I am. It's wonderful to see you. Kind of going in, going from there was 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 big for me. But now, um, now it's such muscle memory that I can I can I can hop into it. I love is, that. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, we've we've talked several times, like before this conversation that we're having now, and one of the things that we bonded over was the Book of Pooh. It was a it was a really really well done show. Um, so when we first started working on this production, Disney Plus did not yet exist. <laughs> In my day, um, it, obviously during you know during the process of building this show, we were all gifted with Disney Plus and then gifted with easy access to all the all the Book of Pooh stuff. That was so good to have because. You don't know how hard it was for me to find things. <laughs> I mean, it was great for me too. All the all you know, all the poo content on Disney Plus to have it all in one place suddenly was very convenient. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But watching it through the lens of you know, here are other brilliant puppeteers who have who have done a version of this show. Just you know, I had a lot of curiosity. Okay, because I, I believe it was. Peter Linz, who was on Pooh for that for that yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I was like, okay, how does he? How how what what were his you know what was his physical vocabulary like? How was he sort of taking the the animation and bringing it into 
into puppetry. And I think the reason why I connect with it is because it was the time I was watching Playhouse Disney. And, uh, yeah, same here. You, you, and I both, you and I both know people that worked on it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I was right in the pocket for it, too, for sure. It sort of got this special vibe. So you're watching all this stuff. And, but like, what is your favorite Pooh discovery while researching? Like, do you see something that you hadn't seen before? Or, I mean, I think I was brought on brought onto this show because I knew I knew the property so well, and I knew the story so well, and I had seen so much of it. Well, thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not sure if there were a ton of sort of stones left unturned by the time I started working on the show. Like I said, it was a lot of revisiting material that I'd already seen through this new lens, now knowing that, okay, you know, we're going to A, be writing a story, and B, I, I'm I'm doing poo for these, at that time, you know, for these readings and workshops. How can I, what's my way in to him? Uh, so it was, instead of sort of digging and finding new stuff, it was getting to it was a real treat because I got to go back to all these projects that I loved, Book of Pooh absolutely being one of them, and and having an excuse to really dig through them again and and relive relive my love for them. Yeah, yeah. I you and I were, I think you and I were texting the other day because we were watching some episodes, and I'm like, listen to the voice acting between these two characters. And you were like, yes. And we were like bonding over the the voice acting on that show. Yeah. I really, I really love Book of Pooh. I love the scripts on Book of Pooh. Again, they, it feels really quintessentially Pooh, but the, the humor is a little bit like faster than some other Pooh projects, but in a really nice way. Back, back credit to Mitchell and yeah. the writer. Because all those writers were bear people. Were. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of had that sort of fast-paced, talking to camera sort of thing going on there. Yeah, and it really works with those characters. Because I think sort of a... It can be easy with those characters to fall into slow pacing, um, and we—I've certainly been super conscious of that in terms of of working on this show, our show. Literally, on Book of Pooh, they'll say something, and I'll be like, "Did they just go there? Like there a few times?" Well, yeah. I mean, like just like the original books, though, it, it it works in layers. It works in layers. Pooh has always had those layers to it. I mean, reading reading the original books through like an adult eye, not that it like goes there, but there's there's certainly there's there's layers there for different people, and when you find them in different points of your life, so I think that's a super important element to keep in any adaptation of, of Pooh. This conversation is sort of going everywhere, but I don't mind because you and I are pop culture enthusiasts. It's mostly, it's mostly going deep into the Hundred Acre Wood. Yes, it is. Oh. It's very, and you're very happy about that Pooh, right? Oh yes, of course I am. Because that's where I live. 
Well, and I very much like being at home. I'm so happy to spend time with you. Oh, it's wonderful to spend time with you as well. Because you and I are friends. We talk about all these different types of things. We could go on forever. But what does being that bear mean to you? What has he taught you about yourself? Oh, gosh. Well, he's definitely, uh, <laughs> through through this rehearsal process, um, he's taught me to... Uh, eat a lot more and sleep a lot more. Because <laughs> um, it is it is no easy feat doing this show. But in all honesty, these are stories uh, about friendship. And Pooh, Jim Cummings has said, Pooh is the eye of the storm in many ways in those stories. Um, everyone knows that, uh, that Pooh often is... Is you know in search of honey. That is that is the plot of yeah, many she, of the yeah. story, um, and he will do quite a bit for honey. But I think the one thing that is most you know more important to him than honey are his friends. I think that is you know sort of at the core of of what Pooh is. He's a bear of very little brain but a very big heart. Uh, so I think he's made me more aware of that in my own life. Um, I'm very lucky to have some some brilliant friends, many of which you know that I that I love dearly. Um, and just through working on this project, I've I've become more aware and more grateful of how precious that is. And I'm I'm so proud to have connected with you at such an important part of your career. Oh, thank you, friend. I appreciate that. Because, again, we've been trying to get this together for a long time. and But this was the moment. This was the moment that was supposed to happen. Yeah, it was. And, and the reason why I kind of sort of wanted to have you here today, not just to talk about poo, but we have a lot of other bonding areas to cover here. So, like, like... Let's delve deep. The first thing I want to talk to you about is when I met you, you you had told me that you were a fan of the show, our show here, what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you've had many of my friends on, um, which I think is probably how I first started listening. But I, I love the conversations you've had. Because uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm a huge nerd for conversations like this, um, and I can spend many, many hours listening to conversations like this. So or having them. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> both. You know, a, a little mix of both. A balance. Um, so I'm super grateful to you for doing the work that you do and capturing these conversations and, and capturing, you know, the the process of of making some of the the shows that I've loved that have, that have formed me for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud that I'm able to be the vessel for people to share their talking stories. Cause it started out as a sort of nostalgia podcast. Hey, do you remember this? Let's talk about it. But then, but then I started talking about, my disability more and my life more and how 
pop culture shaped it. And then it became a much more freer experience for the person listening at the other end. And I'm lucky to be able to talk to you today in this vulnerable way. And just we're just hanging out. And, uh, but one of the things I wanted to bring up is your love of out of the box. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yes, out of the box. Um, I, again, just like book of food, I was just right in the right demographic for it. But the fact that it was, you know, a show about making stories uh, that's certainly how I spent my whole childhood. So I could very much relate to the plot in the world of Out of the Box. Um, and I was just, I, I was uh, loved it as a kid, just like Pooh, where, you know, I, I didn't seek it out, but it was like the exact right show that that uh, I think really sort of inspired me and ended up being a um, a huge part of the reason I, I, I do this. I haven't really unpacked it all that much, but... I went back and when they when they put out of the box on Disney Plus, I went back and watched a few episodes, and I was like, "Yeah, this was really good." <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't know how happy I was when they put it on there because yeah. you're like, "Yeah," because the only thing prior to that that was available was the Halloween episode, right? Yeah, and while and while that is great, I wanted more. Yeah, I wanted- absolutely. And I got to see it. So it's like, so with things like Out of the Box and Roly Poly Oli, which is now on Disney Plus. Oh, is it? Oh, I haven't. I have to I have to check it out. That whole era of TV had something special. And I can't really pinpoint what it was because it wasn't too condescending, but it wasn't too advanced. I just think. What do you think made that era so different for us? I mean, like different, like like more creativity? I can't really pinpoint because there was so much different stuff. I'm not quite sure what I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it probably wasn't one thing that shifted that that ended up leading to all those shows because I was. No, but I feel like around that same time, there was this same air of like, okay. We're doing something totally different, totally, pardon the pun, out of the box. But like, it's, yes, but it's like there was something that had never been seen before. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, there's a, I'm trying to think of sort of the similarities between all those shows. There's a, there's, there's a kindness to all of them. There's a respect for the audience to, in all of them, you know, there's no sort of speaking down to kids. Not that, you know, that wasn't a new concept. Sesame had been doing that for for years and years and years at that point. But it seems to have kind of gone a, maybe a bit wider during that time where people were really putting a lot of care into like telling really good stories, really good character driven stories um, and building cool worlds around that time. Yeah, there's yeah, like I, there's like a and obviously I'm biased and you're biased because that was what we grew up to. So, you know, we're always going to love it. But there was certainly a. a oh, warmth. there are things from that time that I did not well, like. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, that's true, too. But there's there's 
to so many of those shows that worked really, really well. There's like a warmth to them. Uh, there's a sense that the people who made them had a lot of fun while making them, um, which I think that goes a really long way. That is certainly something that I hold very like precious and dear in my own work uh, is, is trying to, to build work environments that, yeah. that people are having fun in because, you know, in the work that we do, if you're not having fun, you can feel it. But if you are having fun, it can be so magic and that magic can so, you know, come through the screen or, or, or you know, fill the auditorium. So I think that might be a huge part of it is just, just that element yeah, of like... because I felt like with those shows, it, every show was different. Yeah. It was never the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there was a certain amount of, you know, kids TV at that time was was a bit of a wild west. We hadn't um, we hadn't gotten some of the shows that now you know, shifted the landscape and 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 dominated the landscape. So, people were still sort I of figuring like out. But I feel like we're get we're getting a lot of that back. Oh yeah, I mean, now with so many new streaming services and there's there's certainly a new a new you know, Final Frontier or or Wild West out in the in the TV landscape right now, and and a lot of really fun shows are coming out of that. Um, like yours, what a wonderful segue! <laughs> that was a so you're talking. You're a pro. You're a pro. <laughs> yes, you're talking about a streaming service. Tell yeah. us about your baby, the show yes. you've been working on. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> right before we we started Poo or rehearsals for Poo, um, sort of my pandemic project, if you will, was a show called Duncan the Skunk and the Big Costume Trunk, which is a show for kids four to eight that uh, streams on an interactive platform called Hellosaurus, which is downloadable. Uh, and it teaches, it sort of immerses worlds in the kid, it, it, well, it immerses kids in the world of theater and it gives kids the toolbox they need to tell their own stories. Um, so it takes us, it's it's hosted by Duncan the Skunk, who's a six-year-old skunk who lives with his grandma underground in their den. And grandma used to be a star of the skunk stage and screen played by the fabulous Miss Jennifer Barnhart. Um, and Duncan finds his grandma's old costume trunk and uses all the the costumes and props from the trunk to sort of magically mix and match the different elements of, of stories to to build his own new musicals. So it's totally interactive. Kids can 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 tap and play along um, with the story and in, in, in through the technology star, you know, star in the musical themselves. We made one... Uh, 20 minute long pilot special that is that is up on the app up on the platform now uh, and it's doing really well and kids are really loving it and I love getting it. that I, feedback is really exciting and cool I was, play, I was playing with it I was having fun yeah it's 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 really cool to have like that like that just that immediate feedback from kids and from families but uh, yeah um, we're we're currently working on building uh a, a sort of a season of of shorter episodes 
that will hopefully happen soon. But it's been a really fun process that's happened super organically with, again, a bunch of people that are all having a, a lot of fun building it. That is absolutely that thing I was just talking about where we're all having a blast on the project. And I think you can you can tell. Um, so in that way, I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. It's been a total blast. And what is that like starting from nothing and then going to a streaming platform like that and then just launching? Yeah, it happened really, uh, it happened really fast and really organically. Again, I have incredible friends that, uh, that sort of all hopped on the train with me and we ended up making it really quickly. It started as just, you know, I fell in love with, and I know we've had this conversation before, but for the sake of the story, over the, over the uh, pandemic, over the quarantine, you know, in the, in the worst of times, uh, the darkest of times, I fell in love with uh, <laughs> the tiny chef on Instagram and TikTok. Yes. Mm. Yes. I, we love the tiny chef. We stay, we stand the tiny chef. I knew about that, but you opened up a whole world. It is. I love I, when I tell you I love this little this little creature so much. Um, I mean, it's exactly like the kind of thing I love. It's 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 character driven, behavior driven, little like three minute video. Yeah, it's sort of whimsical. Yeah, I, I I just it's brilliant, brilliant work. It's this gorgeous little stop motion character. Highly recommend going and 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 getting falling down the rabbit hole of, of tiny chef. But I absolutely did that one day I was sitting on my couch and was just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I was like, okay, I would love to build something, you know, that feels like this, this feels like a, a thing I could, could definitely do with, with a, a TV style puppet. Um, and I would love to, you know, build something that feels like this size. So I had my amazing friend, John Cody build me, uh, a skunk puppet that I was starting to, you know, write a character for and build a character for. And he built it. And then we, I shot uh, a few quick short videos for social media and YouTube with my friend, Michael, uh, and put those up. And I think we put four videos up and then another wonderful friend of mine, Tim Kubart reached out to me on social media and said, Hey, I'm working for this new app platform called Hellosaurus, and we're looking for, um, to, we're looking to start building our first round of sort of original content and original shows. Would you be interested in maybe submitting a pitch? Um, and I said, "Why, well, yes, thank you very much for asking me that question. I would very much like to do that." <laughs> so I built, I built a little pitch uh, that that we we sort of took Duncan. The character and kept him the same, but we 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 changed the world around him and we built the whole concept of the costume trunk and 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 grandma being a, a former star of the skunk stage and screen. And uh we we built out a show and built out the show structure and worked very collaboratively with with the content team at Hellosaurus, mm -hmm. Juliet Menz, who is brilliant and wonderful. Um and it happened pretty fast from there. And we wrote, you know, we wrote outlines and then we wrote our, our 20 minute long special. And then we shot it in a day. Where did you, where, where did you guys shoot it? We shot it out in, uh, 
not far from from where they shoot Sesame, um, just around the corner in uh, in Astoria, Queens. Oh wow! Um, yeah, sweet little studio. Uh, we 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 got it all done in a day. It was a crazy crazy day. I had my arm up in the air, <laughs> just like for a full day straight. Uh, and the brilliant Jennifer Barnhart came in and absolutely smashed it. Alan Maroka. Alan from Sesame Street, who is could not be a cooler and more wonderful person, came in and directed it. Michael, my friend who is my co-producer on it, who was back, you know, on it in those YouTube days, stayed on the project and he was incredibly valuable. So it's really a family affair. It really, really is. See, Winnie the Pooh, friendship. We all come together and make wonderful things. It is a theme in my life. I'm very lucky to have these people with around me. Um but it it really it was it was my first time uh, being asked to make something like this, uh, so I really got to pull in the people that I've always wanted to pull in on a project like this. And luckily, they all said yes. I can't believe it, but they all did. Um, and we had a we had a really fun time making it. And you know, I hope we get to make a bunch more. So this is downloadable on all the different app stores, or where can people grab this? Yeah, so it's it's downloadable on Hellosaurus, which is it's currently iOS only, but it's very soon going to be on on all the app stores everywhere. Um, it's 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 growing very fast. Again, it's all brilliant people working there, so it is it's a real honor to be amongst some of them. Absolutely, but it's Hellosaurus.com if you want to download it. So this is the time in the interview where you can. Promote your show. Promote Winnie the Pooh. Promote your work. Plug, where can people find you and where can people find their way to the 100 Acre Wood? Yes, yes. So, like I said, Duncan is findable um, uh, via hellosaurus.com or duncantheskunk.com is his his little corner of the web. all of my info is at jakebazel.com. All my social handles are just at jakebazel. I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok. Um, if anyone is interested in voice acting for animation, that is the other side of my life where I, I'm, a, I'm a coach and I work with students all the time. And now that you know we're out of our rehearsal process and into doing runs of the show, I have a bit more time, so I'm taking on a bunch of students. So if anyone's interested in that, jakebazel.com slash coaching is where that lives. I would love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, essentially my website is is sort of where everything lives. And how long is Pooh running? Because this episode airs on the 10th of November. Do we have more time? We're hoping it runs forever and ever. Me too. I want the show to run forever. I do too. And thank you so much for hanging with me and, you know, connecting with me. And yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding me? I'm honored to be on this podcast that I love so much and listen to uh, very frequently. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present.